This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Lahu Shahu. Welcome to an all new episode of The Low Show. I'm your host, Lo Von Rumpf. Oh my God, who the hell am I sounding all professional now? My God, going into episode 10, and now I sound like a news anchor with you guys, but I'm not mad at it. I'm actually kind of digging it. All right, you guys, welcome to a new episode. I started this podcast introducing you to some of my closest friends, my homies, those who are very near and dear to my heart. And I still have more friends to introduce you to, but I'm going into the end of 2020 introducing you to my family. My mama specifically. And I just felt like the timing was right. The holidays are here. All of us are still in quarantine. The pandemic is still raging. And I know that I could personally really use some family time right now. So I figured you could too. So yay, my mom's back for another episode, round two with the queen. Also, shout out to every single person who took the time to send me a heartfelt message. I've been trying to read all the DMs and comments, and they are so thoughtful. I appreciate it so much. So if I haven't replied yet, Don't worry, I'm going to get to it. I promise you that. If you only knew, though, how incredibly guarded my mama is with her personal life. The queen does not talk about child abuse and parenting. It was huge for her to do something like that. I was talking to my family, and they're like, we can't believe that she did that. I mean, they assumed that she would be on the podcast, but they thought she was going to come on talking about entrepreneurship or business and finance or women-owned businesses, because that's her passion. That's her wheelhouse that she feels very comfortable in. Delving into the private life and her upbringing and her parenting style was not something she ever thought she'd be talking about publicly, but I'm so glad she did. And it resonated with so many people and the messages that came in were so beautiful. And I shared most of them with her so far, and I could tell it warmed up her heart. She was so apprehensive and nervous. And even after the episode came out, she's like, should we take it down? Should we just delete it? I'm like, you can't. No, no, quaint. No, we're leaving it up. It's great. And you guys, again, were so positive and warm and oh, the, the response was great. So thank you for that. I feel like I have a bond with my listeners. You guys, the low lifers, beautiful relationship. And we can keep the conversation going on the gram or you could leave comments. And again, I appreciate all of that. And it got me thinking about relationships in general, even the ones that aren't positive. Maybe the relationships that didn't go the way you'd hoped or planned. So for me personally, when it comes to handling friends who I felt hurt with or relationships that have broke me, oh, and there's been quite a few, but I've turned to my mom, the queen, for her guidance and advice, and she's helped me a lot. I'm sure if you're listening to this, maybe you've dealt with friends or coworkers or even family that could be considered toxic. But what's at the core of that is not just ending those relationships, but Knowing that there's always a lesson to be learned, there's always a takeaway, even in the shitty situations, even with the shittiest friends I've had, I've still managed to learn a little something valuable. And I can appreciate that from the friendship. I learned something. So I'm hoping that you leave today's episode feeling connected and heard to an extent when it comes to friends you've had, friends you've lost, those you've had to walk away from, or those that have might have walked away from you. My mom and I today, we dived into my childhood, my first friends who were actually imaginary, and uh, a full circle moment, we talk about how life experiences and parenting has impacted the relationships I have today, the way I resolve conflicts, or the way I handle long-term friendships and relationships. So I love this episode. 
It's very special to me. I hope you enjoy it too. Uh, we definitely delve into relationships, toxic friendships, and I think you're going to enjoy this one. Welcome to a new episode of The Low Show. I'm your host, Lo Von Rumpf. I'm sitting here with the most important, special guest I'll ever have. We have the queen back in all her glory for round two. Welcome to The Low Show, the queen. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thanks for letting me back on. Yeah, of course you're coming back on, queen. <laughs> that last episode, people really resonated. They loved you. And uh, I'm surprised you're back and you're not charging me this time. No, I'm not going to charge you. Well, you crazy. <laughs> no, but you know what? It's not because of you. It's because your listeners are really nice. What? Yes. Not you. Oh, you're not back because of me. No. Really? You're back because <laughs> the low lifers. You guys sent some yeah. beautiful comments and DMs and messages and they're very So much kind to words. learn from everybody. You know, I just think, wow, I could understand why or how this can become such a sense of community. Oh, totally. Because we've been isolated for so long and, and it does get lonely. But to me, it's sharing what maybe I went through that can maybe resonate with somebody and them, you know, writing or dropping comments to you of how it affected or what they've gone through. You can really feel that connection with people. And I think, wow, it's almost like the good old fashioned way where we're just talking and listening and hearing yeah. and giving feedback. So um, you're a remarkable woman. Well, no, that's a remarkable, it's a remarkable community of listeners. You're and, an incredible person. Oh, would you stop? <laughs> you Get out of here. All right. I had one comment that someone or a message that someone had DM'd me and they said, Queen, they said, How did she not beat you at any <laughs> point? How did it not go through her head? And she said that she has a a kid and he's in, I guess they, they call it the terrible twos <laughs> yes. and having these tantrums and they episodes. And she's like, I, your mom must have such immense patience <laughs> to deal with something like that. So I, I actually don't know how did one, I understand your philosophy of why you didn't want to beat me, but to not actually do it props to you. Did you ever have, <laughs> A situation yes. where you thought, you know, I'm just going to lose it on him right now. Oh, yeah. It just doesn't flip a switch and say, I'm not going to hit you. <laughs> I know one, there's one I always remember my turning point with you. It was it was tough and it was a rough it was a rough day. So, yes, for your listener who said that, absolutely. How old how old was I this turning point? You know what? I remember it vividly like it was yesterday um, because wow. it etched in my mind of such an embarrassing episode. And I know. I know all moms, babysitters, sisters, brothers, godfathers, everybody who tends or cares for a child has to have that embarrassing moment with a kid when they completely lose their cool and act out and you're kind of lost of God, what to I, do. I see that happen all the time. Oh, it's yeah. So you're in another store and you hear a kid have a complete meltdown. You think, oh, I hate to be God, that person. Little devil baby. <laughs> or on a bus, on a plane. <laughs> You hear the crying child all the time, but losing their shit. Yeah, I remember. I remember we're at a store. I had a big event I was going to go to and I had asked my mom if we could head out because I just wanted to pick up um, a pair of nice shoes for this gown I was wearing. And and one, you know how my mom always dressed up and I never quite did. So yeah. I just remember not really looking my best anyway, but being in a hurry and just wanting to rush and buy a pair of shoes because the event was the next day. And I took you and you always were just a, a, a 
good little boy. I was? Yes. You were always, always smiling. You would go with anybody who offered you candy. So we had to be careful. Oh, wow. So we kept a good eye on you. Yeah, there's a lot of predators out there. <laughs> yeah, but but you're just a good kid. And, and you're, how old was I at the store? You probably were about four. And, and you know, the terrible twos, everyone said, ah, you know, be careful of the terrible twos. But I hadn't really experienced that. I thought, no, I think I'm lucky. I think we're good. He's, he's not going no, through that. No crazy tantrums in no, my terrible twos. No, nothing crazy. Just, just little stuff, but nothing like major crazy. But we had gone to the store and I remember I was looking at some shoes and there was this huge mirror on the left side of me. Oh, this is that Nordstrom. Yeah. Remember how they have that huge mirror? That's so embarrassing. So I was standing there and I selected a shoe that I was going to look at. And I looked not, I don't know, not understanding or clicking that it was a mirror. And I saw you and my mom, but it looked like you guys were approaching me. So half looking down, half looking up, I kind of ran towards to say, hey, mom, look at these shoes. And boom, plowed right into the mirror. (laughs) I mean, head first. You ran into a mirror. I ran right into the mirror. So that was, I thought, oh, but the sad part was that I was holding the shoes. I was trying to like, with my left hand, stop myself. And then I kind of lost my balance and flipped backwards and landed on my back. Oh, shit. Completely, completely on my back. And at Nordstrom's of all places. And so I landed on my back and I looked up and my mom was standing there. And she looked down. She says, why did you do that? Like it was intentional. Mom, seriously, I thought it was, I don't, I don't know, mom, help me up. So I got up and I said, let me just, and I was embarrassed. I was completely humiliated because there was people there. And I said, let me, um, mom, I I just have to go pay for these shoes here. And I grabbed you and we called you, you know, Nachi at the time. My nickname's Nachi. Backstory on why it's Nachi. So I grew up and I loved uh, Frank Sinatra. My dad is a huge Frank Sinatra fan and always played, you know, fly me to the moon Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars. And I grew up with uh, always listening to uh, a lot of Dean Martin, The Carpenters, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, we were very progressive. <laughs> sure, with our music choices. Well, it's old school. I mean, very old you school. were all like Michael Jackson, the Bee Gees, Janet Jackson. I had a ton of funk and soul on your side. Flavortown with you, Queen. <laughs> then my dad was all like the old school, like, you know, again, Frank Sinatra and stuff. Anyway, to get me to go places as a child, uh, because I couldn't, I guess I had a little bit of a speech impediment, perhaps. No, you but were I just couldn't... barely learning to talk. Oh, well, I couldn't say Frank Sinatra. So I'd say Frank Sinatra. And that's how I pronounce it. Sinatra, Sinatra. And... Well, in order to get you to go somewhere, we'd say, come on, you want Nachi? You want Nachi? And <laughs> you would run into the next room or wherever we needed you to go. Yeah. Because yeah. in the hopes that you're easy to manipulate, yeah, Frank Sinatra <laughs> would be playing. So it became Nachi was my thing. And uh, it's remained my nickname in my family, which, wow, no one knows that nickname, but they definitely know it now sharing yeah. it with the world. So that's, you'll hear her refer to me sometimes as Nachi and that's where it comes from. Yes. Good old blue eyes, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> so anyway, you're like, so Nachi, had, do you want to so, pay for these with no, me, with your so, mama? <laughs> no. So I had fallen flat on my back, hurried up and got up. You know, everybody does that embarrassing moment where they fall and then they hurry up and jump up and just pray that nobody really saw or that nothing was showing. 
like your butt or your boobs or your tummy or something. Yeah. So you hurry up and adjust yourself, jump up, get the shoes. And and I went walking. I was a little out of sorts. So and I, even if you are in pain in that situation, oh, you just play it off. Yeah. It's you almost because your embarrassment rushes to your head and then you can't even right. realize. And you just know that somebody there had to say, hey, we saw this lady run into a mirror. <laughs> yeah. At Nordstrom. She totally nailed herself, <laughs> which I did in all fairness. That was really embarrassing. But anyway, uh, I was going to the front to pay and I was in line. It was busy while I was holding your hand. And my mom had shown you a pair of these ridiculous little shoes with dinosaurs. Do you remember those? Oh, I remember exactly. They were Jurassic Park sneakers. Yes. And they had they lit up on the bottoms of them. They were so cool. And I wanted them so bad. You kind of leaned like you wanted those. And I said, no, 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 no shoes today. Mommy's going to buy her own shoes. and. For the first time, and I don't know where this came from, you had an epic meltdown. <laughs> and I mean, lost when I s- you lost your shit, you and you had never done this before. And you flung yourself down on the ground and you started screaming at the top of your lungs. I want those shoes. I want my shoes. I want my shoes. And and I stood there just in shock because this had never happened. Plus, I was already embarrassed because I had just fallen and everyone was still staring at us. And I went to grab your hand with my left and you were pulling your hand back. Now, now. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to kill him. And I kept and I looked up and I looked at my mom like, help me. And she got her purse and walked out of the store and left me hanging. Like she didn't even know you. She acted like she didn't know us. She just kept going. She's so embarrassed. I don't I'm not. She just walked out of the store. You're having this complete tantrum. So I put my shoes down grabbed you by the like by the waist to lift you up and then you flung your body from your waist backwards and almost like a u-shape like gumby you just leaned down and you were screaming and wailing and i'm holding you with your waist as tight as i could because you're trying to wiggle out and i'm like walking you know towards the door towards the The exit towards the exit and i wanted to throw you through the window I wanted to pick you up like a football and just fling you out the door. I was so embarrassed and everybody was just staring. And I had to do like this walk of shame right past everybody in line as you're flinging out the door. And as we got out of the store, luckily we had found like parking right in the front by the store. So I didn't have to walk the walk of shame all the way across the parking lot. But I got to the, the car put you in the car and close the door because I thought something's going to happen. I'm going to hurt him. <laughs> but I was, I just didn't know what to do. I think. Plus every, a little bit of shock too, because you had never seen that side of me. I've ne- one, you've never the demon done that. Within. Never, never had you done anything like that. I didn't know the what Lucifer. to do. You're embarrassed. And I know, I know everyone has seen or gone through something like that where some child has an epic and an epic meltdown and yours was worse. It was almost like your head was spinning. It was. Your hair was stuck to your oh, head. Right. Your little curls. Went, it was My bad. little blonde curls. It was really bad. It was a full blown meltdown and it didn't stop. And so I put Did you, you the think car. that there was something psychologically wrong with me? Perhaps medication would be necessary. No, 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 no. I just thought, wow, what is happening here? But I, I put you in the car and closed the door and just stood there for a second thinking, oh my gosh, I just wanted to fling him through the window and that's not the answer. And I just had to stop and compose myself, you know? So yeah, there's a lot of times in parenting, I think you just have to 
take a a beat, just step back and take a deep breath in and then jump back in with a little bit of more reasoning. You didn't yell at me? No, you know what I ended up doing? And luckily I I had done, you know me, I researched everything, but I remember I'd written a paper a couple months before that in child rearing in one of my courses. And I opened the door and I just, I grabbed you and I just held you really tight. And I said, are you okay? Wow. You're really, really mad. And you said, I'm mad. I want my shoes. I said, oh my gosh, you poor thing. (laughs) Boy, did you make a scene. And I just remember just hugging you and rocking you. You know, like you were so mad. So then I thought. See, in my head, from from outside looking in, that would be condoning bad behavior. (laughs) No. It wasn't, though. No, it was. We had to get to that. But I had to at that moment, I thought, oh, my gosh, he's learning how to express frustration or anger or kind of developing, you know, his it and his ego. Like, wow, he's really trying to figure things out of not getting his way and what happens. And I figured, okay, I get it. I need to really navigate this so that you start learning a healthier way of explaining yourself how to get your way, how sometimes you don't get your way. I mean, what's an appropriate way to act out in society? Because if I don't teach you, society will or law enforcement, someone's going to teach you. Oh, God, I know. If you're not, if you're, you know, don't learn these essential things. So I just remember holding you real tight and saying, wow, you're really angry. But, and you're like, yes. And at that age, you can't go into long, you know, dissertations of what you did wrong and why. You just have to use just like the baby language. You really wanted shoes? Yes. But mommy said, no, no shoes today. But I want them. But why? I just like them. You know, you just went on and on. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, well, how about this? Let me clean you up. So, you know, I got stuff out of my purse and started cleaning up. I said, let's try a new way. Let's go in the store. And if you let mommy pay for her shoes, maybe we can pick out a little something for you on the side table. There's a little table there with all the goodies. Can you do that? But no shoes, because I didn't want to reinforce that the tantrum got you the the shoes. shoes. Plus, you had a thousand shoes. So I cleaned you back up. We walked back in the store. I paid for my shoes. I'm shocked you went back in that store. I don't think I I would have. I know. I was really embarrassed. I'm out. I'm going to have to drive to another Nordstrom. But you know what? You figure as a parent, this isn't the first time that you're... You have to let go of Or any of those people have seen that. I mean, you just have to... I had to just let it go. You have to because you're going, (laughs) you know, I mean, otherwise I'd be hiding all the time. Anytime you did something wacky outside of the house, you know, but that's the thing about parenting. You just kind of put your own pride aside and do it for the sake of whatever. (laughs) So we walked back in and you ended up picking us this little shoe polish, a Kiwi Mm -hmm. shoe polish for like black shoes. The thing is that you just wanted to buy something and it probably had nothing to do with the shoes with the light. You just wanted to buy something. That was your probably your first stylist moment there. Yeah. Yeah. But but when we got <laughs> I home go through that to, to this day. Yeah, but when we got home, I said, Okay, Nachi, if you get angry, here's a pillow and here's the room, and I want you to scream into your pillow and yell at your pillow and tell your pillow that you're angry and let it out. Oh my god, the infamous scream pillow. <laughs> the scream pillow. I remember, remember the scream pillow. <laughs> you had to because I thought it's okay to be angry. It's just not okay to express it the way you were. 
So we kind of had to navigate that at a very young age. And that's what we have to do with our children. It's if you, if they get angry and you spank <laughs> them, you're, you're not letting them express themselves or you're so making it. I literally had a pillow she would give me to scream into if I was going to have a tantrum or I felt upset. I would go and use my little pillow and just let like scream into the pillow, mm -hmm. let it out there. And then I'd come back down to the table or wherever and feel much better about life. Yeah. Well, I would tell you, go scream into your pillow, let it out, get it all out. And then when you're ready to tell me what's wrong, then come back and tell mommy and we will talk about it. Maybe I'll give in. Maybe I won't. Maybe sometimes the answer is no, discussion. but we're going to talk about it. But not like this. No, no, no. You have to go scream in your pillow and then come back. A couple things I want to bring up. One, I always remember you saying, I under, since I was a kid up until today, I understand your message, but I refuse to listen to your message if you don't work on your delivery. And no one's mm -hmm. ever going to get your message if you don't work on the delivery. So me screaming mm -hmm. and yelling, for example, message isn't going to be heard. Right. Right. You were driving that point home at a very young age for me. And to this day, I mean, I don't have a screen pillow anymore, but I definitely have a moment of like, I got to compose myself, mm -hmm. let it out, whether it be a good cry. And then I can come to the table and talk about something or feel frustrated and angry and let that out mm -hmm. for a minute, whether it be take a run or something. And then I'll go and approach a conversation. But I definitely have since I was a kid, take a beat. I always take a beat. And mm -hmm. I think you instilled that in me. Yeah, just, you know, it's okay to feel anger. You want to learn to feel all your emotions. It's just how you deliver it. And if for to be effective, for someone to really hear you out, you can't talk at them. You have to talk to them. And, and that was the hardest thing. And I think as a parent, I wanted to instill that really young. So the temper tantrum in the store was probably just that transition to, uh-oh, you know, now it's nurturing mixed with some coaching of how to handle emotions. And I thought it was fascinating that all of a sudden you had opinions and you wanted things and you were expressing it in so many clever ways. But my job was in my role, at least for me, you know, everyone has their own way. But for me, it was like, how do I navigate him to be effective with it so that he could, you know, have his needs heard, but not be passive aggressive about it. Where was Nana? So I'm sorry, but she left you <laughs> she did. in the store, going oh. back to the store. And then she walked out and then she what? walked out. She left Drove me home. <laughs> no. no, she had walked out. She left. And then when it was actually, it's actually really cute. When we, when we got to the car and I let you scream it out. And then I, I was holding you. She walked in, she walked back to the car. Like, are we ready to go? And I said, Mom, you totally left me hanging. I go, that wasn't really nice. And she said, well, I, um, I didn't want to see you hit him. It would hurt me too much. Oh. I know. It was so sad. <laughs> she went right to like, you're probably going to beat him. Yeah. And I said, oh, no, Mom. You know, you made a commitment to me. That's and I'm what making... you did, Mom. Not no, me. Oh, no. Sorry. I just said, you made a commitment and you worked through, you know, later anger with me. I'm making a commitment. I won't do it. So trust that that's not going to happen. But he's at the age now, I think, where we all have to, you know, be united in what we tolerate in his behavior. Like, we got to right. teach you. Yeah. We got to teach that, you that's those not going to be accepted. No, no. And then you learned, eventually you learned and you had all your little imaginary friends talking about me and expressing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So I know I had imaginary friends as a kid. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of them. Yeah, you had a little tribe up there. <laughs> a little tribe of friends. This is what the ages, I'd say like five to seven, eight, were yeah. my imaginary. Well, like they happened. 19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last week. Yeah. No, like I'd say, yeah, probably about four years old, four or five. Yeah. Right about this time is when they popped up. What What time? When you start throwing your little tantrums. Oh, okay. So around four and then my mm-hmm. imaginary friends came into play and I would get the message out of how I felt towards you with my imaginary friends. <laughs> did you we ever did. think though, because with imaginary friends and I would describe them and I mean, have conversations with them and tea parties with them. Did you ever think like, oh, my son is schizophrenic or perhaps he's a little <laughs> no. cuckoo? No, 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 no. Isn't that I a mean, bad sign? Like, no, uh-oh, no, no, no. Imaginary friends. Actually, it's a sign of just creativity and it's how you learn your little social interaction. And and it's a sign of really a, a heightened sense of creativeness in, in you. So it's a good thing. And I think like well over it's well over 60, 70 percent of children have imaginary friends. OK, so I knew there was not a problem with that. I knew that. Your dad thought, oh, oh, why, why is he talking to invisible people? But I said, oh, no, I had to assure them, you know what? Well over 60 percent, 67, 70 percent of kids always. It's, it's a great way to learn social interaction. And I even thought it's even better because then you're not judging someone by their looks. You're learning to talk. You're just talking to imaginary friends. So it's really a great way for social interaction. Sure. It, it's like the voice. <laughs> I remember I remember getting upset with you one time as a kid. And I remember saying, uh, trying to use my friend to insult you because I didn't want to say I loved you too much. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't say those things to you. Mm-hmm. I couldn't rip you a new one <laughs> as a kid. But my friend could. Mm-hmm. And he did. <laughs> and he did. I think Remember I was like seven down. years old. <laughs> if I told you, no, you have to clean your room and you'd get ready to have your your crying and i'd say gosh i said your friend is pretty angry using my invisible friends as a mouthpiece Mm -hmm. so i said but why do you think he hates me so much so i would teach you the lesson through your friend don't you think your friend was not being very nice in not wanting to help you clean your room yeah well maybe you (laughs) should tell your friend that it's not nice to talk about people Mm, i better go tell him and i said but where does your friend live over there. <laughs> I was like, and I never knew where. But about a month or so later, I was going to the post office and I was telling you all the time, where where does your friend live to try and just foster the creativity? And we were driving past the post office and there was a store. You know how they have the mannequins in the front window? It was Mervin's. Yeah, it was a Mervin's. That's what it was. And we were driving That's slowly past live. that. And you go, Mommy, <laughs> there's my friends. And if I <laughs> looked, and there was the mannequin with the mom, the dad, and two little kids all pointing to the sun for like a summer thing. And yeah. It was mannequins. I go, are those your friends? Yeah, he's playing. I said, oh, wow, let's wave hi to your friends. Oh, God. <laughs> but I, I remember telling everyone, mortified. run with it, everybody. Just run with it. You know, told your godfather, told Lulu, told everyone, just run with it, everybody. He yeah, has a, he'll outgrow it. He's going to outgrow it, hopefully by 14. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Queen, we got to take a beat real quick. Why? Because I got an ad. (gasps) 
You got your oh, first Oh, that's ad. right. I'm going to be paying for your retirement oh, now, Queen. Oh, my goodness. Get out of here. All right. Here we go. First <laughs> ad of the low show. Enjoy. Yay. <laughs> okay. So confession time. I used to love smoking cigarettes. I was a smoker. I said it. Solid five years of being a little chimney. I'm not proud of it. But at the time, I thought I was so freaking chic to be in L.A. styling in New York City for Fashion Week. I was chain smoking up a storm. It was definitely a social thing to do at the time. Got me through some very stressful career moments. Thank you, cigarettes, for that. But looking back at my smoking time, in retrospect, it wasn't even the dangerous effects of filling my lungs with harmful smoke and chemicals that motivated me to quit. I was just terrified of aging skin, wrinkles. That's what motivated me to quit. After a stern warning from my dermatologist, I remember she looked at me and said, Lo, if you do not quit smoking, your skin's going to look like an old coach bag, so you should quit. So I did. Cold turkey. Haven't smoked a ciggy in over five years. But I do still have friends and family members who definitely enjoy a good cigarette moment to this day. So that being said, that's where Lucy comes in. So Lucy is a nicotine company founded by scientists and former smokers that were looking for a better, cleaner alternative, a tobacco alternative that actually works and tastes great. So I told you low lifers from day one of this podcast that I will never recommend a product I cannot stand behind. That's why I'm down with Lucy products, especially for those of you who are trying to quit smoking. And Lucy Nicotine Gum, they also have lozenges. It's a much better alternative. It's the real deal. So it's a subscription that comes directly to your door each month so you don't have to leave the comfort of your home, queen. Lucy has you covered during these pandemic times. So it comes in three flavors. There's winter green, cinnamon. That's the one I tried. Love that one. And pomegranate. They also have four milligram little cherry lozenges that come in very cute discreet packaging. So if you're ready to make a change and toss out the vape pens, Low Show listeners can go to lucy.co and use the promo code Low Show to get 20% off of their products. So that's lucy.co and use the promo code Low Show when you check out. I legally have to give this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Ain't that the truth? All right, low lifers. So go check out lucy.co if you're interested. And don't forget to use the low show promo code to get your discount and save some money, honey. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little bit more of your scalp? Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over one million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. I'm excited to have Nutrafol as a sponsor because I use it. I love it. I'm a big fan of this company. I've noticed a big difference in my skin, nails, hair. Even my sleep has improved since I started taking this. Now I have the queen taking it too, and it has been a game changer for her hair. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. 
I'm all about leveling up with my lowlifers this year. As a fashion stylist, the first place I want to start, of course, is leveling up your closet. But I don't want you to break the bank. You don't got to spend a lot of money, honey. Design on a dime, boo. You can still elevate your closet on a budget. We want you to save some money here. So I'm happy to have Quince as a sponsor. They are here for us. They're going to take good care of us. At Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at affordable prices. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Oh, they're amazing. I bought these beautiful silk pillowcases for my bed. I got a cute jacket, a cozy cashmere cardigan, and navy blue joggers I'm obsessed with. These are staple pieces for my closet that will not go out of style. And I was able to save some money. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash lowlife for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash lowlife to get free shipping and 365-day returns, quince.com slash lowlife. I love me a good edible moment. I talk about it all the time on this show. And so I was so excited that Via became a sponsor of the Low Life Podcast. Oh, this is a dream partnership because I love their edibles. They're so delicious. And they're coming on right in time for Valentine's Day. Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. We're talking about pairing aphrodisiac herbs with a mild amount of THC. Their best-selling High Love gummy will awaken your senses, increases the blood flow, and intensifies any sexual experience, even if it's a solo experience. It's going to be amazing with this gummy. The strawberry-flavored one is my favorite. They're vegan. Organic ingredients are used. They have zero THC products as well. So if you're not down for THC, that's okay, boo. Their CBD line is amazing too, which is really great for sleep, focus, and energy. Their products range from 2 milligrams to 50 milligrams of THC, so there's definitely something for everybody. My favorite part about this sponsor is that they ship to all 50 states legally with discreet packaging directly to your door. It makes it so easy breezy for you. No medical card required. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code LOWLIFE to receive 15% off plus one free sample of their Sleepy Dreams gummies. 21 and over. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com and use code LOWLIFE at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. So as I transitioned into real friends, actually, this is a great segue, Queen, because then I started to get human friends. I let go of my invisible ones for the most part. Uh, and then I got some real ones. And I have to say, the quality of discernment, you've always had that about you. You're a very good judge of character. And it's crazy. I think it's almost like a mother's instinct or a sixth sense is like your little witch when it comes to knowing people's character, knowing if someone's going to be a good influence in my life, and you being a great judge of character. I, I always wonder, is that just like all moms kind of have that about them? If there's someone getting involved with their son's life, but as much as I think that I know that there's other moms that are just overprotective and think that there's no good people, there's no one good enough for my son or my daughter, um, no one's going to add up to, to be good enough for them. That's not you, because there are friends of mine that you genuinely love and think are amazing influences in my, in my life. And then there's the ones that aren't. And you, are, again, are very vocal about that. So that being said, where did that even come from? Like, how do you know? And I, I fought you on it specifically with certain groups that I've been friends with. And I remember I was friends with this one girl, this group. And, and you're like, I don't, I don't trust her. This was recently. And you're like, I don't think that it's a good friendship for you. I don't think you should invest in this person. You got to be careful. 
And I was in the honeymoon phase with this friend. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're great. Like, you're just being negative, like being overprotective, mom. This is an amazing friend to me. Mm-hmm. A year later, I realized they were a very toxic friend. I wasn't feeling good about myself in this group of friends I was hanging with. They gossiped about each other all the time. There was a lot of negativity. They always compared themselves to others. And I guess I was just caught up in the dysfunction of it all. That I thought that was normal Mm -hmm. to be around people who gossip all the time and compare themselves and make me feel less adequate at times and are very judgmental about everybody. Yeah, sadly, I think we all go through that. Sure. I think we all have people in our life that are kind of toxic or are not the best. You know, I didn't see that. I didn't see that first. And you definitely did, though. In your defense, I think growing up and going through life, you have to learn your own boundaries. And I think while I may have a comment about it, um, I usually would wait until you would say something. You remember I always talked about safe rebellion and unsafe rebellion. The same went with friendships. If you're in a friendship and I personally thought, oh, my gosh, I don't think that person's a really nice person. You know, we usually will keep it. I think as a family, we always kept our comments to ourselves until I saw that, wow, it's really impacting you as a person. Like my self-esteem. Your self-esteem or I, I really see a shift in you. And that's kind of the first sign. I think I think all parents know when their children or people that they care for, because a lot of people, you know, end up in roles of caring for um, children. But I think any parent, they know when their son or daughter is changing or not showing their best self. It's just a natural because you you know your children. I sure. carried you for nine, nine months, months, two, two hours, hours, 58, 58 minutes and 10, 10 seconds. I think I know when, you know, something is shifting in you, sure. not for the good. Not for the good, but it doesn't mean that I can step in and, and tell you and demand. You did it in my teen years. You stepped in. Well, that was also because you're like, I don't want drugs involved. Well, that or, was different. Yeah. That was an unsafe rebellion. Sure. That was like, you can hang out with them all you want, but not here. Just move out. Get the hell out of here. Well, I don't want you to be in that. I, I can't watch that. Of course. You know, um, well, I just you can my, do it. I just don't want to In my adult it. life. So this friendship group, I'm going to mm-hmm. speak on this specific friendship group because it's so fresh, I guess, in the sense like the, the latest thing that's happened in regards to friends for me. But I was close with this group, successful. All these people have money. They're all, you know, looks good from the outside looking in. This is a group that a lot of people would want to be part of. And I was part of this little squad, if you will, and realized how toxic and shitty and (laughs) miserable it was. And I have to say, losing those friends, it was very difficult at first. I was really sad about it. Very depressed. I was very depressed about it because I thought these people are... It's all I've really got. I think this group had become your, your close network for a while. Sure. And really, what I don't think you realize is in creating that network with them, you had kind of abandoned other friends that actually were good friends. It's so interesting, too, because Caitlin Bristow, who you love. Yes, I love Caitlin. She was one of those. So, okay, I was in this toxic group, but I would hang out with certain people like Caitlin Bristow or Elliot Knight. He's been on the podcast. Jordan. Jason. Jordan. Janelle. Sure. Max. Love. There's your friends. See, I know them all. (laughs) You do. You do know all of my friends. And Arielle Vandenberg. She's another one I adore. Arielle's a cutie. And I will say that those friends that are now part of my closest circle, 
of people I trust. Caitlin and Ariel specifically, though, for me, really did it. And Elliot, those three, Elliot, Ariel, and Caitlin. Because whenever I would hang out with those specific people, and this was right after my little friendship group, I decided I'm out, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. And I was like, done with that group. It was a tough decision to make, but I was, I was over it. I was done feeling depressed or done comparing myself to other people. I was always feeling lonely, even though I had these friends. I was tired of the gossip. And I just think that that friendship, those people specifically, those girls, is all smoke and mirrors. Because anyway, so once I removed myself, I started hanging out and putting more time into my friendships with like Caitlin or Ariel or Elliot. And I felt so enriched. And I remember I would hang out with Ariel like till three o'clock in the morning. We'd be talking and laughing. And I, I left feeling so recharged and better about myself. And like, there was something I got out of it in the sense, like my soul was being fed. When I have heart to hearts with Caitlin, we laugh, we cry, we have a wonderful time together. I feel enriched, like my soul is being fed again. Same with Elliot, it just does something. And I hadn't experienced that in this supposed really tight knit group of people. I didn't feel recharged. I didn't leave feeling like my soul got something from it. I felt depleted. So Not I, with all, with just a few of the group. No, the group in its entirety. So it was three. Or maybe one or two you felt it was that two way that, depleted. But, but the group in its entirety was so toxic. So that being said, getting to hang out with friends and feel like I was getting recharged, it was, man, it was a, a real awakening for me. And yeah. I thought, well, this is what good friendship is supposed to feel like. Mm-hmm. But what is crazy is you were calling this out mm-hmm. and saying those friendships aren't going to be good for you for years for years because by the way I was friends with these people for over four or five years mm-hmm. and you were calling it out year one <laughs> and it mm-hmm. took me four or five to finally rip the band-aid off and do some real self-work and self-healing and realize to get out of that gossipy bullshit mm-hmm. And it it was a game changer for me. But see, sometimes, sometimes people don't know your boundaries because you're learning your own boundaries still. Yeah. And so, you know, in fairness to them, you're learning your boundaries and what you kind of tolerate in friendships. And I think we all go through that. You know, I'm in my 50s and I still, you know, well, I don't think I get hurt the way I used to in my 20s and 30s because I've just learned through trial and error and and through readings and just different things that if you accept people for who they are and you really see them, you understand the type of friendship you're going to have with them. And if you just pay attention to that, then there's, there's no big letdown because you put them in the right kind of... Oh, we'll go into some T.D. Jenks. Well, T.D. Jenks, is it? Yeah. Well, I remember you sent me that sermon way back. And you can you well, we've gone over it together, but you put your friends in three separate categories. There's confidants. Well, there's three types of friends. Yeah, three types of friends. But mm-hmm. I've categorized them as confidants, constituents. Comrades and comrades. Mm-hmm. The sermon goes into what a lot of people say, what our experiences are, what books have even said. But if you you have a, a confidant in your life and you have someone that you consider a really close friend you know your confidants because your confidants is always going to give it to you straight. They're going to tell you, even if it's uncomfortable, like a parent, like I did with you, or like all of us go through, we all have somebody 
that says, you know what, I don't like who you're becoming, or I love who you're becoming, or I'm encouraging what you're becoming. You're in a bind. That's the person you know is going to pick you up. You know, if something goes wrong, that's the person that you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, they're going to have your back. That's a confidant. And and if we get a few of those in our lifetime, that's a blessing. Yeah, like one is a blessing. If one you get two blessing. or three, holy shit. If you get shit. two or three and, and you nurture those. Yeah. And then you have kind of what I think, you know, is the the rest of the group is what they call the constituents. And that's what his sermon was all about was the constituents. And and there you have to be careful because they're for what you are for, but they're not for you. Correct. So you'll notice a lot of those people because maybe they're industry friends. Maybe Work they're friends, coworkers, like- a lot of coworkers, a lot of people you meet, you know, quick at a party, you happen to get along with and you go have a few drinks with. It could even be some of family. You know, you just extended family, immediate family there. They're not really your confidant. And what happens, I think, and I know that I've been really guilty of this and I see that you get you are guilty of it, too. And that's why I, I start calling you of- is that you mistake your constituents for your confidants. And then you get your, you're going to be hurt because a person who really is more of a constituent, you know, to use a term loosely, if somebody comes along that's better or that's going to further their interests or help them, they're going to abandon you because they're not for you. They're just for what you are for in the words of him. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? So they're not going to, like, if you talk to them about a special project you want, they may go to the boss and take credit for the project. Right. If there's a promotion, they may. Or if there's someone who's more popular, somebody who can help them get ahead a little bit better, then you're just cast aside. And you see that a lot with, oh, I thought he was a friend or she was a friend, but they no longer want to hang out with me. Or I feel like an outsider in the group, but now she's hanging out with, you know, all the directors of the company or whatever. You see it all around. You know, I have even in families, you see it. You know, I used to be really close with, you know, my sister-in-law, but now she's really close to my other sister-in-law. It's so funny that, okay, so the whole idea of a constituent and you like essentially like, using someone, mm-hmm. but. But it, 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 but it serves a purpose. It's mutual. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. So I remember though, in this particular friendship though, that I had, one of the girls felt that I uh, was using her quote unquote in a way mm-hmm. to better myself. Because I was hanging out with other friends and not putting in as much time with her that I had usually put in in the over four years of friendship. And so she would call me out and say, oh, you're you're using me because, you know, I introduced you to so and so and so and so. And now you're hanging out with them all the time. And we used to hang out all the time. So you're using me clearly because they are. I don't know, more popular or whatever it could be. Mm -hmm. Um, They have you see that more followers. You see, y'all you also will see that when someone gets promoted. But what I'm saying is she she had that perspective of me being someone who is a user. Right. When all in, in actuality, what it was, was I started hanging out with different people, realized how I was getting fulfilled and I was feeling much happier about myself. And it was casting a light on how shitty our friendship actually was and how judgmental and how how toxic it was. It wasn't a good situation. But it was hard to explain that to a person who thought that I was essentially using them. And I'm like, I wasn't using you. I was just seeing the light, honey. But you see, you'll see this in a lot of, you know, even in therapy sessions. If you have a friendship and it's going well and all of a sudden it seems to be going to the left, it's going south, it's not as close as it used to. 
you should first always take a hard look at yourself. Totally. Am I doing something? Am I going through a life change? Am I feeling insecure? Is something upsetting me in which maybe I'm projecting onto somebody else? You know, maybe I really use people and I'm accusing him or her of that, you know, or maybe I'm feeling vulnerable. So I'm, you know, kind of showcasing their vulnerabilities because yeah. I want to feel better about myself. Projection at its and finest. Projection. And, and it, be, it becomes passive aggressive too with snide remarks or dropping little bombs to make you feel like, you know, like crap. So friendships are not, even those friendships are not bad if they're going south. If you assess that, look, at this person's just going through something, but there's enough in the base of foundation of our friendship that I want to fix it. And that's what I would always tell you. And what I would say to you is, I'm sorry that she keeps accusing you of those things, but that's not who you are. And it, it seems, no. I know it's not who you are, but if they're not listening to you and you're feeling badly about yourself all the time, then exit the friendship, save her from her, save her from this misery, then yeah. let it go. Yeah. You know, that's all I was like, for God's sake, son, then walk away. If you're this horrible of a person, save her, leave, you know, one of you make the cut. But what I was trying to tell you is that in friendships, there's key things that you should always look for. And if you're with someone and they have a vested interest in your insecurities, then you know you're not really in the best or healthy relationships. And they definitely were. Yeah, because they'll, you'll know because everyone might have that circle of friends or even just one friend where you never quite feel welcome or you feel that you can't walk away because they're going to talk about you when you leave the room. Oh, man. That's the I worst always feeling. felt that way. All right. So here's another way 2020 has thrown us for a little bit of a loop. Shit storm, if you will. The holidays. So lots of my go-to gifts, they're not happening this year. I like to do a gift of experience, like a Janet Jackson concert for my mama or a massage or some sort of a dining gift card for my friends and family. But that's not happening. Everything's closed and there's a still pandemic going on. So I had to think, what the hell am I going to get my family? Something thoughtful and something that they'll actually want to use and love. A real home run for a gift. And I found it. Raycon wireless earbuds. I'm actually a fan of them. I love them. It's a great gift. They're comfortable, easy to use, and comparable to what you get from other premium brands. But I love that they're half the price. The audio quality is amazing, and I love that they have different colors, too. So my little gift idea that I'm doing for my family this year is I ended up getting the blue ones for my dad. That's his favorite color. I got blush pink ones for my mom. I also purchased their favorite audiobook online. So they're going to get Raycon earbuds, a little fancy bottle of wine, and their favorite audiobooks for them to listen to. And I know that's a gift they're actually going to put to good use and totally love and enjoy. I'm excited about it. So Raycon... They're being generous for the holidays. On top of everyday great prices, they're going to offer my low lifers 15% off right now. So go to buyraycon.com slash low show today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash low show to get your earbuds today. Buyraycon.com slash low show. They're so cute. I know you're going to love them. Is your New Year's resolution to find time-saving solutions so you can spend less time doing things like grocery shopping and more time with your little one? As a busy parent, I'm always looking for products and brands that will make my life easier. What is one change that's easy to make that will make your life easier in 2024? Little Spoon. 
Little Spoon delivers fresh, healthy meals and snacks that your kiddo will love for every eating stage. Little Spoon is a one-stop shop for healthy, easy mealtime and snack time for your baby, toddler, and big kid, delivered right to your door. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Time-saving and convenient without compromise. Little Spoon delivers baby blends, biteables, plates, smoothies, snacks, and lunchers. Kids love it, and you will too. It's all so fresh, so delicious, and made with the cleanest, high-quality ingredients. Did I mention it all comes right to my door? So flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. I pick the menu and change it up what I order every time. The price is right, the quality is unmatched. I love it, my kids love it, the grandparents love it, and I know all you low-lifers will love it too. A huge win-win-win for my family, and it can also be for yours. Simplify your kiddo's mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash lowlife and enter our code lowlife at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. But that constant feeling uncertain about mm. where you stand. You know, when you get up from the table, you got people who are talking mad shit on you. Right. And saying stuff right. behind your back. That and is that's such a terrible feeling. And that's feeling. in relationships too. Terrible. You know, if you're, if you're walking away and you're feeling so much uncertainty all the time, it just completely corrodes your, your self-esteem. It takes away your trust levels. And so you end up just being unhappy. And so when you talk about people and I think, oh, my gosh, it seems like you're scared not to go to the event because they're going to talk about you. Or why didn't they invite you? They knew you wanted to go. Why don't they invite you? Those are all little passive ways and really obvious ways that people try to take you off your game and let you know that you're not as important in the friendship. So when you start feeling uncertain in a friendship, pay attention. Yeah, Because that means it. And the other thing is I found in your friendship is that they didn't respect your boundaries. Now, if we're young, you know, we're in our 20s, we're learning our boundaries. And so we can't fully blame people for for not respecting our boundaries if we haven't set them. And that's what I was trying to tell you a lot is what are your boundaries? If you know you have a client in the morning and you want to be gone, you know, done and with dinner with your group of friends by 10, they should respect that because they should respect your business. Or if I can't spend the night at this person's house because I know I have to be up at six for a fitting and it wouldn't make sense for me to spend the night at their house, but they guilt me. Right. Then that's another reason why I'm like, Ooh, right. I don't respect your boundaries. But I wasn't in all fairness, I wasn't even establishing those boundaries though. No, so that's so what you have to take stock of yourself. Yeah, that's on I you. should have definitely been more firm in saying, no, I cannot do that. I got to go. Right. Or it could be other boundaries, not just staying out. It could be dieting. It could be staying away from alcohol. It could be trying to live a healthier lifestyle, you know, and yet they don't respect it. They'll say, oh, you could just this, just this once. Let's just cheat this once. So they're not for you. You see? 
<laughs> yeah. And that's where that phrase they're they're not for you. They're they're not becoming a, a good friend. And so when you are having these friendships, and I think again, we all have these happen in our life, just pay attention to that. If number one, you're seeing that they have a vested interest in you feeling insecure, that's kind of a, a warning sign. Totally. If they're not respecting boundaries, even though you've tried to lay them out or they're not investing into your dream, you know, or goals. And that's why I always told you, remember, if you're giving them good news and they're not smiling and nodding, shut up, walk away, stop giving them more info about your hopes and dreams because they're not for you. I couldn't even talk about innocent stuff like our Christmas tree, for example. Queen, you put on such a beautiful Christmas. I love Christmas. I know you do. I know you do. And you do these beautiful, for anyone who doesn't know, but my mom does these beautiful monochromatic style Christmas trees where she picks a color theme and everything stays in the color theme. We'll do like a red Christmas and everything is the gifts, the fireplace mantle, everything, uh, the flowers, it all is red. And the tree is very monochromatic. Uh, We've done red, blue, a purple Christmas, a black, a white. This year, we're doing a green Christmas. I actually had Instagram vote on it. I wanted to do a brown Mm -hmm. Christmas. You got your (laughs) wish. We're doing a green one. But it's a really special thing we do in our family. We've been doing it since I was a little kid. It's so special. I get excited about it. now. It's only because it brings us all together. We just focus on a tree. We don't focus on the gifts. Don't focus on anything but good food and a fun tree. You know, and and it really is because when, you know, my mom passed away, I just wanted everything purple to remind me of her. And then it just kind of evolved into yeah. picking colors that reminded me of people or So my things. Nana, 10 years ago, my Nana passed away. And then she passed away right before Thanksgiving. Oh, it was brutal. It was mm-hmm. rocked our family to the core. Um, I was a mess. I, the year is still kind of a blur for me because uh, it was the most painful year of my life. And that year, we decided, because my Nana's favorite color is purple, so we did an all-purple Christmas in her memory. And, yeah, and she loved just, Christmas. Yeah, I think I just threw myself into expressing her through my Christmas tree. She loved Christmas to begin with, but I felt just a part of her. I don't know, it helped my grieving process to be doing something right after Thanksgiving, just to be doing something in honor of her. So. I went all out and just did what I felt was the most prettiest purple you it was know, beautiful. toned tree for her. So, and then the next year I did one. It was like, you know, my brother tree. And so I picked a color. I always pick colors that are kind of symbolic of something. Or So I always post a picture of this tree and I'll share it with my friends and I'll put it on Instagram because I'm so excited for it. I'm proud of it, too. It's a lot of work. Uh, these trees, again, they're just magical monochromatic moments mm-hmm. that I get to share once a year with everybody. This group of friends, though, that would judge the shit out of it, say, I don't, what if it's photoshopped? I don't think that's his house. And I remember uh, I had one of my girlfriends, mean girls, and she was like, what's the square footage of your family house? <laughs> and she just was prying for information, wanting to know background information on like how much money I might have, because they assumed, oh, you must be so wealthy. We're not freaking rich. No. Rich is relative to like everybody. Um, everyone has a different definition of rich. But the judgmental part came in. And instead of saying like, oh, it's beautiful. And it's remembering your Nana or something like that. It went into, 
I don't believe that's really his tree. It's photoshopped. I think mm-hmm. that it's uh, it's all fake. And they just judged the shit out of it. Yeah, but that's on them. Shame on them. Not oh, you. I know. But but having that happen, I was like, it was such a wake up call because that's such a small little thing. There are hundreds of other things. Well, there's a hundred of, of things that are symbolic of what's wrong with the friendship. But if you go to the core of that, it wasn't about the tree. It's about making you feel inferior or insecure in the friendship. And that takes me back to always the one thing I always watch for in a friendship is, do they have a vested interest in me feeling insecure? And it could be, oh, your tree, oh, you don't live in a good place, oh, your mom's not, whatever, whatever it is, the core is still to rock your base and to make you feel insecure. They didn't even think you were real. It doesn't matter. And you would tell me that. And I thought, I don't care. I'm well, sad because they didn't again, know that the reality was you never wanted to meet them. And it wasn't that I didn't like them. I just said, I have a choice in what makes me happy too. I'm, I told you, you know what? I wish that they were not your friends in such a tight circle. I'm not saying you can't be friends with them. I just wish they weren't your tight circle, but I certainly don't want to know them. That's on you. You can, you can know them, but I rather just know them from afar because I could tell I probably won't feel good knowing them because you're such a good friend and you're always going up above and beyond what you thought to, to you know, give to the friendship. And you always walked away feeling badly. Why would I want to meet them? Amen. I, I just I but it wasn't that I didn't like them. I just didn't want to know them. I yeah. had no, you know, and then to this day, I still don't not like them. I just don't want to know them. And That's I all. don't not like them to this day either. No, I just don't know them anymore (laughs) i don't well look at here's the thing sometimes we outgrow our friends sometimes friends are for critical parts in our life friends even though someone is not probably or may even be a little toxic it doesn't mean you have to abandon them you just shouldn't give them such a key role in your life that's my saying is we have a lot of friends at work or whatever but understand that they're just they're the pepper not the salt in your meal see i just prefer to eliminate the sodium completely <laughs> and the pepper it's out because it I'm good. rises your blood pressure yeah i'm like i'm done i'm like i'm cutting them out i don't need that shit in my life anymore you know no, what i mean no, no. and but here's the life's thing. too short i don't need your negative shit in my you know what i mean i hear you and and there's times where when it starts affecting you psychologically or the quality of your life or there are more work than what you feel the friendship's worth yeah then you cut bait and yeah. travel light but sometimes you know i there's... love that you always say to me remember what you said mm-hmm. even the strongest swimmer will drown if even too many the strongest people are swimmer will you. drown exactly yes and, and i and i firmly believe that i mean i have friends at work but they're friends they're not my confidants so those kind of people don't confide in them because then they're not going to hold your confidence because they're not for you. They're just for the situation. They're for work or they're for a project or they're just people you go to happy hour with or they're friends that you love to have lunch with once in a while. I think a lot of us in the midst of this pandemic are really stepping back and taking, taking in inventory, taking a good inventory of what's important, what friends are depleting me, what friends nourish me. It's not what you're dealing with, you know? Well, when that friendship group imploded and I had one close friend remain from that group, 
thankful for her, mm-hmm. but it was still painful because the identity of this little group was gone. Yeah. And I came here to your home mm-hmm. to lick my wounds, came back to mama's house. And at the time it was a pandemic had just hit. I was out of work, feeling really just depressed, very low self-esteem. I think the only thing I got out of that little friendship group was five or 10 extra pounds, which because mm-hmm. they ate like shit all the time. Even if I tried to eat healthy, I was like, damn it. It was always taking me down a path of destruction. So I came here to lick my wounds. And I think you really saved me in this pandemic, Queen, because I I had some real soul searching moments with you. I cooked. Mm -hmm. I got to exercise. I got to do a lot of uh, reflection on my life. And Mm -hmm. I owe you everything for that. And I almost think Mm -hmm. that you are meant for a pandemic. You're born oh for a pandemic. I've been preparing for it. Yeah. I'm a planner. <laughs> really, though? Yeah, no, no, no. This I, is the I, COVID headquarters at my mom's house, by the way. If any of you low lifers <laughs> get sick, you just I'll come on. I'll take care of you. Come on here. You because call mama. <laughs> she ha- No, but you have such a, uh, a prepared kit. I mean, she has everything and anything you'd need. You have like the thermometers, you have the oxygen, the oximeter for blood oxygen levels. You're doing all the Tylenols, all the drugs that help with if you do get COVID. Yeah, we took the Tonga one step. I times it by each of us how how long I thought we'd be sick to make sure I had enough dose for everybody. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The gloves and the masks. And I mean, you've just been so prepared. The hand sanitizer dispenser at the door. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's the COVID headquarters. The top. <laughs> but I think it's great, too. I have to protect my, Pro- my cubs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. getting to be here during a pandemic was very healing for me. And and I it was interesting because getting to talk to you, you said, OK, because I was like, oh, mom, I'm I'm in my 30s and I'm having this group of friends implode. What the hell? Like, how can I how come I'm hanging out with toxic people? I'm at this age. This sucks. How could people do me dirty at this age? And you said it never ends. And just know in your teen years, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, all the way up, you're always going to run into these people. People don't grow out of it. It's always going to happen. And you've even had experiences as a grown woman in, in, your, in your very early 50s. She's a young Mid-50s. mama. <laughs> 54. That's early 50s. And you have even dealt with people doing you dirty i remember in this friendship circle that you were in the day you called me and you said i'm taking off to go pick up something and i know they're talking about me and she's saying some really negative things and i think that's the first time i said walk away step up and walk away enough is enough You don't deserve to be in any friendship in which you're continuously being mocked, made fun of, feel less than, insecure. The friendship is clearly on their terms. When they need something, when they want something, you're constantly giving up things over here. You're being called names. Get out of the friendship. Just stop. Because part of me felt that sometimes we get involved in friendships that deplete us because maybe we're hiding from our own greatness. Maybe it's a distraction instead of doing something that you should be doing. You know, if you're scared to start your podcast or your business or 
start a new job or lose the weight or do whatever it is, sometimes we keep getting into cycles of being around negative friends, bad friends that reinforce our and almost encourage our worst traits in ourselves. Yeah. Our insecurities. Yeah. It could be, you know, our little jealousy, insecurities. It could be um, comparing ourselves to others, procrastination. They exacerbate your worst traits. And instead of blaming them, oh, you know, I couldn't because I was helping so-and-so, but why didn't you get that done? Well, I was helping so-and-so. She needs me. Sometimes friendships, even though they're toxic, are working in your interest because you're avoiding your own greatness. Wow. Or you're avoiding something. And I needed to call you out on that. And I needed to say, listen, mijo, (laughs) I think that you keep throwing yourself into these friendships but you're really avoiding your own greatness and you've got to stop. You've got to walk away and I will be here. If you want to walk away and you don't have friends or you feel you've lost and imploded, you know, some really people that you really loved deeply, but you knew were not your friends, walk away. You got us here. Yeah. And I remember you walked in, you said what you had to say and you walked away. And you I know, and then the back. pandemic hit. You know, and then everything came crashing down for everybody, the world around us. And at the same time, I was going through something, too, because I have, you know, obviously I'm a, I'm a business owner and I had a very trusted employee, someone that kind of crossed the line of employee. And I looked at it as a dear friend, someone close to me. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, this person, you know, has done me dirty. <laughs> Is a pathological she, liar. Well, she has clearly some some issues and mental. Unfortunately, She's a um, kook. she lied about a lot of projects. So Wouldn't I was kind of going if she was on fire. To see, that's your protection of me. Can't and, stand and, her. And that's what I'm thinking when I go back to the young childhood. Whenever somebody upsets your child, you want to go in there and beat people up for you. Yeah. Or you want to, you know, like oh, sometimes you on Instagram, I want to make my own account. And go in there and tell people what I think of them for calling you this. That's what is so difficult about parenting and being in relationships is letting, giving you the foundation that when it falls, we're here, but not stepping in and fixing it for you. Yeah. And that's so hard. Oh, yeah. That is so hard. And hurting the person I love the most. I'm like, damn. And I told you, I'm not asking you to fix this. I'm just grieving it. And I will get through it because I should have saw the signs. I should have saw the signs and I didn't. And that's on me. And like you, just like me, I should have saw the the signs. signs. And if you, and if any of us, you know, your, your listeners out there, if you really look at your friendship circle, look for the signs, you know, do you feel like, but yeah, I want to know what are the signs? Well, for me, what I have seen that, you know, has hold true is do you feel insecure around them? Do you feel that? They don't have your best interests at heart. Are they going to talk about you when you walk away? Do they say snide remarks to where you feel like you're off balance? Unsettling feelings. It's unsettling, um, kind of corrodes any trust levels you have in the friendship. Do they not respect your boundaries? You know, if you're yeah. looking at them and you're saying, I'm going to, I need to leave. And they're kind of, I mean, within reason, sometimes friends push us to uncomfortable boundaries for our good, for our own good. Those are those. That's different. I I can see through that, though. Yeah, you can see through if someone's really not, you know, but sometimes you you can just tell that 
it's not that they don't care about the boundaries, but they just don't care about you, period. So what boundary? <laughs> it's just that, you know, whatever. And, and it's unhealthy. They want you there all hours of the night, taking up your time, you know, but that's, that's just not going to help you. You're late for work or you're not feeling good about yourself. On the other, you always look at if it's a friendship on, your ter- on their own terms. Like when you were in, you know, even in high school and them, I was never vocal. Like you can't hang out with these people. I just had to be honest to say, it seems to me that this friend only wants you on their terms. Like you're calling in because they want you because they feel lonely and you got to stay up all night with them. Right. Or they always have a problem and you're always fixing their problem. Why are you stepping in so much on their problems? Let them worry about it. And you just offer support. Yeah. And I saw that a lot with not just, you know, this friendship circle. I'm talking about friends in oh, general. Oh, yeah. This has been a common thread. Yeah. And I said, why is it always fixated on their terms? You know, why are you always have to? You know to... what I think, too? I love a good fixer-upper. Yeah. I think that uh, I'm naturally a, a very much so a nurturer. A nurturer. Uh, that's like the cancer. I'm a cancer. My sign is the crab, and I do have a hard shell around me. In the inside, though, delicious crab meat. The outside's a hard shell. So to get through, it's a little bit tough. So sometimes I think that's on me that mm-hmm. I am looking, for, uh, well, old me, because now I feel like I'm a lot more woke to this. Mm-hmm. But I would look for maybe because for me to focus on myself and put in the work, I didn't want to deal with that. Like you said, you could almost be afraid of your own greatness. And I invested in certain friends because I I rather focus on making them better or healing them in whatever way. Cause I definitely enjoy helping people. I don't know. It, it's in me. I love it. I love getting to help. I think that's great. But sometimes most of the times back then, I think it was at, it was mm-hmm. a distraction from instead of helping myself. Right. I'm not going to put in the work for myself because I'm going to help this person because right. they need me. You have a reason why you're not. It's a good excuse and a distraction. It still feeds me, makes me feel so it's selfish. Mm-hmm. I got to, address that and know mm-hmm. that's not healthy. Right. So now I don't do that. And all my friends that I have in my closest circle and the REL's and the Caitlin's and the Elliot's and the Janelle's, whatever, my tight little pod of people, uh, Jason included, they are, they know who they are. They're confident in themselves. They're giving people, they feed my soul. I feed theirs. It's a very healthy bond that I have. And yeah. it's very reminiscent of the feeling I get when I leave this home here with you. Right. Of, joy. I feel joyful. I feel fulfilled in some sort of way. Well, friendships are about give and take. Relationships are about give and take. Sometimes you may be giving the 70, they're 30. Sometimes blessedly, you know, you're blessed and it's 50-50 at times. Sometimes you're doing 90, they're doing 10. Life gives us, mijo, so many different scenarios. And sometimes you got to be the heavy and pulling the weight. But then it comes back around and then it becomes mutual because you can't be friends with somebody for 10 years and not have any types of ebbs and flows or times where you're just not on your game. They're just not on theirs. And it doesn't mean that, that you let go of those friendships. Those are just time seasons in the time, you know, it's just seasonal things happen and, and we work through it. It's how we work through it. That kind of cements the history and richness of that friendship. You know, it's kind of like me with, you know, Ro and and Lulu. I mean, for years, you know, we've gone through so much, but it's cemented us. And sometimes... One of my mom's best friends and my aunt. That's who she's referring to. Yeah. And sometimes... Over 35 years of friendship. Over 35 years of friendship. And there's nothing bad I can say about 
either one of them, you know, but it doesn't mean that we haven't gone through hell and back, but I know they have my back and I have theirs. Sure. Those are your closest confidants, you know, including you, you've kind of now are one of my closest confidants. I know I can tell you anything and you're not going to judge me, you know, but that's the best. When you can yeah. share anything with someone and know they're not going to judge you. They know you. where the bodies are buried, you know, sure. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're not going to judge you. I would lie on the stand for you. Yeah. Well, see, but I wouldn't ask you to. Oh. See, that's the there difference. There she is. I wouldn't ask you to do that. I might ask you that. to. You wouldn't ask me that. I don't know in that because situation. That, no, you would not. If I killed someone. It's kind of like you with Nana. Me. Do you remember when Nana used to take you to the store and she discovered those, God, they were new the 99 cent store you could go in there and buy anything for 99 cents oh well yeah they were new to me they were new go, to you going to a 99 cent store and, and they she had would all the you. little toys oh my god i love i still love a 99 cent store to this day oh i know and she would take you and she would give you 20 dollars <gasps> now that felt like a thousand dollars and you would age. walk in the house with four bags of just 99 cent items one bubble gum one coloring book, yeah. one set of, I mean, it was tons. Silly string. And, but she would take you almost every week and it was just taking advantage. And I remember me telling her mom, really, you really should not be teaching them that he can go in the store and buy anything he wants and he's going to expect it. Make it a treat of My some sort. My first shopping spree. Mm -hmm. Hence probably why you had that meltdown on me couple months later oh yeah she was already <laughs> so but anyway and every time i talked to her and i said mom you don't she says i'm a grandma let me this is my encore i get to be the spoiler i don't have to worry about the discipline let me have fun so i had to come to you and teach you you know what you're going to have friends and people and loved ones in your life that are going to do anything for you but why are you asking them to yeah where are your limits you know? Oh, I love that. And I really... Wait a minute. That is so beautiful because in most situations, I think that the parent would come down on the grandparent and be mm -hmm. like, don't you do this. And instead of coming down on her, you said, mom, don't do that. She said, I'm doing it. And you said, mm -hmm. okay, fine. And you focused your attention on me and said, listen, you little bastard. <laughs> your Nana will buy you the world. She'll do anything you for asking? you, but don't ask that of her why would you why ask put that? that on her why would you do that and, it, and it's not just nana that would be asking you you know or be giving you so much love it could be relationships true it could be instructors teachers it could be anybody in your circle that you know they'll do anything for, for you, you but out of love and respect for them why would you ask them to don't be don't do that oh that's some wisdom and right so there i love that i had to really impart that. And then I had to practice what I preach too. And I needed a healthier balance that even though someone's willing, you know, to, to go to jail for you, don't do something so stupid that they would have to, you know, just don't do it. And, and that was the thing is that you're going to run into friends. It could be your spouse. It could be, you know, your grandma, grandpa, and uncles. But if they give you everything, don't be taking, taking, you got to give back. Yeah. And that's what I was stressing. And I thought, I'm not going to deny my mom the joy of having 20 bucks and splurging on her grandson. Because clearly, that, but that is what her joy was. But I could teach you to turn around and say, no, Nana, let me do $5 and let's go to lunch. I remember 
So I started taking the money and I would start saving it up. Uh, instead of doing the $20 each time, I'd say, oh, I just want one thing. I buy a bag of Flaming Hot Cheetos or something. And then I started socking it away. And then my you nana, took on a date. My nana <laughs> and I had a nice date night. We went and mm-hmm. saw a movie and then we had a nice dinner. And I was able to pay well mm-hmm. with her money that I'd saved up. Right. Uh, but she loved it. Mm-hmm. She loved it. And mm-hmm. it was like our little thing. Yeah. She just fell madly in love with you. And I just think oh, in friendships that we bring it back to current times, you know, I have friends that would do anything for me, but that's not what I want from them. I just want their their. All right. I won't have you lie on the stand for me. <laughs> I w- but you wouldn't ask me to do that. I thought about it. No. I mean, I haven't killed anyone, but. But if you did, and I probably would. There she is. I know. <laughs> little chola. I'm still a little ghetto chick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still from the hoods, but. And nobody would know. No one knows that. Nobody knows. Well, they do now. Buried. Yeah. <laughs> it took 31 years. To get to a place in my life where I feel that the people around me do bring out the best qualities in me and I bring out the best qualities in them. Mm -hmm. But it was a damn tough road to get to that point Mm -hmm. and that realization. And then also, once I get to that point, know, okay, like you did with me in high school when you sat me at the table and (laughs) were ready to cut my dumb ass out. But now I realize these are the people that I'm going to choose to invest in moving forward in life. Mm-hmm. Way back when I was taking um, counseling in college, I remember saying, it just seems like I attract just all the wrong people. I'm always getting hurt. I'm always getting screwed over. I always find boyfriends that you know are abusive or cheating or whatever. I just seem to attract bad. I don't know why. And I always remember her saying, oh, you don't, you don't attract it. You seek it. Mm, and if that wasn't a gut punch and I, and I use that, especially as, coming from someone, cause you have been in an abusive relationship. Yes. So yes, to have someone young, say, you seek it, uh, it, it, but, but you truth. know, and that happened obviously when I was very young, my young relationships, but what I'm saying we'll is get that, into, can we get into that in another episode? Abusive relationship. Hear that? I think so. I would. And I think I would love to let's get into abusive relationships and all of that life, because that's another chapter for you. But Um, sorry, go ahead. But what I'm saying is that in in friendships, you know, if you seem to attract like I did a lot of friends that were just not the nicest or screwed you over or used you, you know, used what you had to offer and then discarded you or you just feeling unsettled in it. um, Take stock of yourself. Because maybe yep. the the closest friend, the closest relationship you have should be with yourself. Yes. And I know that I had to really focus on what my boundaries are, what I expect, you know, my temple, me. I had to respect me. And people like that aren't even attracted to me. People like that don't even like me. They don't come anywhere near me. Like when I go into, you know, a project, I can always tell those who are going to do well in my project. And those who right away are are kind of distant because they know that I'm gonna smell it right out. <laughs> yeah, you just you just know what you're kind of like. For. Uh, I always I love when you said that uh, you can smell misogyny a mile away, <laughs> yeah. and you're a strong woman, a very kind but strong woman. Mm-hmm. I like to call you the Velvet Hammer. Velvet Hammer. That's what I am called, actually. <laughs> that is your little nickname in the business world because mm-hmm. you have. And explain where that even comes from. The whole idea of a Velvet Hammer. It's being able to discipline or get across or negotiate and get someone to see your side, hitting them on the head, but they don't realize 
that they've been hit over the head. Yes. So it's Damn. all in your delivery. <laughs> obsessed. It's really all in your delivery. But there's certain men that you've gone into meetings with and you know that they're misogynistic, but they are like, it's like you're repellent when you walk in. Those guys, they don't want to F with you. They're just like, oh, right away, there's a wall up with them. Interesting how that happens. Yeah, it is. But but you know, but that's, that's, that's everywhere. And you've said with those specific men, there was a, I mean, I've heard so many stories of mm-hmm. different guys that you've had different meetings with. And as you do partnerships and business and, and you'll say, oh, this guy, no. Well, I'll give you uh, just a quick story. Maybe this will help other people in the business world and all of us just in working period. Um, you're going to meet. I always thought, oh my gosh, don't work with women. They gossip. Men are worse. And I know you have listeners who are men. I'm sorry, you guys, but sometimes you are guys the worst. are the worst. Guys can be the worst. They they're they're ruthless too, just as bad. No, I say worse. I I'm remember, so glad you say that because that's such a I hate that preconceived notion like women are gossipy. No, guys are dicks oh, who man, gossip and talk just are. as much shit in their little boys club. Mm-hmm. I'm over here acting like I'm, I'm a lady, <laughs> <laughs> but they are. I hate them. Oh man, you know, and if you look at the stats. You know, you know me and my stats. Hit them with the stats, Eighty-six percent of women have or are in relationships with female, male, you know, just friendships that are toxic. But 75% of men are as well. So that's a high number. Everyone acts like, oh, it's women who find toxic friends and have all the drama with their friends. 75% of men have the same type of drama and trauma. Within their male circle. Male circle of friends, just friends, okay. not lovers, not boyfriends, just friends. So it's like. of women have, you know, those have experienced some type of drama, trauma, and just have toxic friendships at some point in their life. But 76% of men. And in overall, like 80 something percent of all people have those kind of toxic relationships where a boss is just the culprit. Yeah. Male or female boss is just. I got into that with Jason learning about the whole corporate structure. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. You spend 90% of your time holding your job, 10% doing your job. It's really tough. It's tough in the corporate structure. Okay. So wait, Queen, I remember you were in the automotive industry and you've had experiences with misogyny and men being dismissive of you and it's the worst. Yeah. I mean, you know, in one of my first businesses, it was in the automotive industry. A lot of my counterparts were male and it was it was tough and they would dismiss you or just totally disregard any idea thing you had to say to the point where they actually mocked you almost right there in front of you. Jeez. But I remember and assholes. And now, obviously, we still have it. We've made great strides. But what I'm saying is that you got to know your worth and you got to know that whether it's in friendship, whether it's male, female, they're going to get away with what you allow. You got to know your boundaries and you got to project what you want. You know, it's kind of like you got to throw it out into the universe. You know, your happiness, I'm seeking happiness. I want to be happy. And you throw it out to the universe and it comes back. But I remember in this one case where I went to a meeting and I was just humiliated because I could tell that they were completely disregarding anything that I had to say, even though I knew I had an excellent product. And it's just that I was a female in a male-dominated industry. And I went to my graphic designer. Do you remember Art? Oh, I loved Art. I loved Art a lot. Cholo. And yeah, he was a little Cholo from the hood, but he was Super my, talented, Very though. talented. Arturo. Extremely talented, very philosophical. Um, and yeah, I went to him very deep. And I went to him and 
just in tears saying, you know, I'm I'm not going back to these meetings. I'm just let's just forget this project. I'll move on to another one. And he said, oh, no, you don't. You're not. You're going to march back in there and you're going to take these with you because it's a state of mind is what I was what I'm getting at. He handed from his paint cans two balls, those little silver ones that you put in the paint cans. But there were two brass balls. And he says, here, you just level the playing field. Yours are brass, though. And I remember and I still have them to this day. They're yours. I still have those brass balls. (laughs) And when I go into a meeting or I go somewhere where I know that I need to have my wits about me, I always put in my hand, hold them tight and then put them back in my purse because it's like, baby, no, it's (laughs) we're equal. Minor brass, though. Amen. Amen. (laughs) I love it. Amen. You do have brass balls, Queen. Well, you have to, (laughs) but it doesn't mean you you can mistreat anybody. You cannot mistreat. And so people shouldn't mistreat me. I don't mistreat them, even if I have brass balls. Of course. I don't think you're ever going to mistreat anyone. No. But you're definitely going to hold your own. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, like I was trying to tell you in your friendships, sometimes we go off to the left or right or over invest into friendships because we're really scared of our own brass balls. Yeah. You know, we're scared of our toughness, our greatness. And that's what I wanted to teach you. You know, that was part of my little checklist of teaching you. And yet in your thirties, and I wish I could tell you that it'll never happen again, but it will happen to you again. You're going to go out there. You're going to meet people who probably aren't the best, you know, influence or all that. It's, how you learn to handle it. Well, and now I categorize when I do meet someone, I know it's a confidant, a constituent, or... Mm -hmm. There's a comrade. Or a comrade. Yeah, and a comrade is just, they're not for you at all. They're just against what you're against too. Like we all hate the same person. Yeah, so that's, anyway, that's what I was trying to teach you all through, you know, childhood and, and even now. And when the pandemic came and you came home, we had to both recoup, you know, but... I think you were going through stuff. I was too. And I helped shine your brass balls and you (laughs) helped me with mine. Yeah. Thank you for that, Queen. I just handed yours back to you. You definitely did. (laughs) And look at us now. Now we're having fun on a podcast and getting to know all these people. Would you be willing to come back on the low show as a guest again? This is my idea. Will you give me the topic? Sure. No, she always well, I, throw the topics at me. I'm not prepared. I know you love to be prepared, you little businesswoman. So you guys have to understand, he doesn't prep me. I like it to be very conversational off the cuff. But I will say, I'm prepared. But I want you to come in as a guest and just know we're going to talk about life. And I think you'll you do great. That being said, I think it'd be awesome to have you on for an episode. We could do advice, like Queen's advice, Mama's advice. And you've had so many experiences. I think you could... Really uh, give your perspective and perhaps help people out. So if people I people have questions, yes, what oh, I'm saying yeah. is I'd open it up to questions, and then people can give my the low lifers could write in and with anything they want to ask you. Oh yeah, would you be yeah. open to that? I could be like a surrogate mama. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sasha, sure. little advice person. Yeah. I'm, I'm all. Yeah. Of course. I'm always happy to do You're that. You're saying it on the air. I'm holding you oh, to gosh. it, Queen. She's coming back. <laughs> I mean, if people have questions, sure. I'm sure people have questions. Queen, (laughs) you always impart so much knowledge and wisdom and you've lived a thousand lives and you've been through so much. Mm -hmm. I want to get it on the record 
and say, one, again, thank you so much for always being a constant, always imparting so much wisdom and guidance and, and love and compassion to me. It's everything. It's everything to me. So thank you, Queen, for being here. I'm going to bring you back for some advice from the Queen. Later on. Next week. No. Okay. <laughs> She's busy next week. I'll bring her back, though. For another episode. You mean the world to me, but you're not my world. Oh my goodness. You mean the world to me, but, <laughs> but you're, you're not, not my, my world. world to me. <laughs> Whatever. I love you so much, Queen. I love you too, mijo. And on that note, we'll see you next week on The Hello Love Show. Show. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Love Show. I hope you enjoyed it. God, I love having my mama on. She's like my little Latina Yoda. Just dropping golden nuggets of wisdom wherever she goes. It's such a treat to have her on the show. I cherish every episode I have with her. It's so close to my heart. It's funny. I've been getting DMs from people saying, hey, Lo, is your dad still in the picture? You got a father? Is he still around? And yes, <laughs> I do still have a father. He's still around. Thank God. And uh, he's been married to my mom for over 32 years. Mi padre, Mr. Von Roomf himself. He's one of my closest friends, and I would love to have him on the podcast, especially for next week's episode. That's the goal. It's a Christmas Eve episode, and my dad's Father Christmas. He loves the holiday season. This is where he shines, so he'd be great for next week. But he's a tough guest to book. My dad said he'd be on the podcast, but he also was like, yeah, let's play it by ear. Let's see what happens. See where the cards fall. And I'm like, mm, do you think the low show is going to get canceled? <laughs> is, that what, is that what my dad thinks? I don't know. But our show's not canceled because of you, the listener, you amazing, beautiful low lifer. Thank you for taking the time to do a five-star rating, also subscribing and leaving a comment. Those three things keep this shit show afloat. We got more low shows in store for you in 2021 because of your comments and your five-star ratings and, of course, your subscription. So, again, thank you for doing that, taking the time, because it is so appreciated by me and the team. So thank you. And we put in so much effort and work into these shows and the fact that you're enjoying them and we're loving doing it. So I want to keep it going. So, again, thank you for doing that. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful, joyous weekend ahead. The holiday time, put on a cute Christmas movie, maybe have some eggnog. It's not really my thing. It's a little thick for me, but I'm more of a hot cocoa kind of guy. Mexican hot cocoa specifically. If you haven't tried it, Google it. It's delicious. Little Mexican hot cocoa is vanilla, cinnamon, chocolate. Mmm, hits the spot. I will see you guys next week. But until then, I hope you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Don't forget to drink your water, putas because I know you're thirsty. I love you, and I'm out.